times three out. All right, here we go. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to what I'm pretty sure is episode 347 of This Is Whole Life. I didn't do my normal uh, notes routine, and it's already rearing its ugly head because I don't realize how much I depend on those. Are we all in trouble? No, 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 okay. no, no. No, I think we have a we have a pretty good idea of what we're going to do today. Well, I said I said that two weeks ago too. And we know how that it's a turned collective out. Collectively, yeah, yeah. Um, in my defense, I was uh, I was fighting virtual reality headsets we into the wee hours of the morning, and uh, it was uh, that's usually when I'm doing prep time usually. So anyway, we had uh, some priorities to clean up this week, but we're going to get it done. No problem. And there's a few of you that were in the lobby this week that already kind of know, or you think you know, and you were trying to guess this past Saturday on what this piece of paper that, for those of you that can't see it, but you can hear it, in my hand, I hold, get it out of front here, the recipe for sausage, apple, and cheddar Ooh. bread pudding. Now, this is the one I asked for. I said, whoever made this dish for, that was what, candlelight uh, communion on Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. man, I mean, this is pretty good. I got this back in about a month. So I, I feel like is this, this is- the breakfast? Yes, yeah. our brunch. The brunch, the breakfast brunch. And so. so there was a ton of really good dishes. And I was I asked for this, and the person- Pam Nolan. Thank you, Pam. Oh, nice, Pam. So Pam is not only a wonderful leader of our Stevens mm. Ministries ministry, but she's a heck of a brunch cook is all I'm There you go. So I have the recipe here in my hot little hands preheat oven to 350. You can get started now. And then uh, if you want to just pause, you can swipe up in the show notes and you will find those in there for you today. And someone made the suggestion, maybe we need one for our vegan and vegetarian counterparts. So if you had oh, so one, that was real sausage. Yeah, she too. made she made turkey oh. sausage. She put okay. a little flag in there just to make sure everybody knew. And if you didn't know, now you know why and what you've been missing. <laughs> yeah. In case you missed the flag. No. But if you have if you have a recipe that you brought to brunch and you'd like to submit those, we'll throw a couple more and Maybe a nice vegan one so we have, you know, all bases covered, vegetarian. Yep. Yeah. Because nice. Ken would like one too. Yeah. But with maybe what crumbles instead of the sausage, and maybe oh, I don't know about the crumbles. I, what, do you, I, what, what do you what do you prefer? I, I like the Worthington. Do you? Yeah. No, okay. that that's again, it's got eggs, so you're talking vegetarian. So if you want right. to do vegan, it goes another step. Yeah, right? we, yeah, yeah. So we could do a veggie and that. So just go yeah, ahead, so send it. To I'm vegetarian, not vegan. Yeah. Yeah. Just send yeah. it to podcast at whole church, and I'll make that happen. Well, that was a detour there. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't okay. see that one coming, and I didn't. You, know, you never know when you ask for something what you're going to get back. So I was pretty excited to get that back, and I'm a happy guy because I think brunch this weekend is going to be pretty good because I'm cooking. <laughs> so, at the end of last week, I accused Ken prematurely of probably breaking out the velvet sledgehammer on us because we were going to talk, you know, we went from the the invitation and then we went to the called and then we come down to the response, which immediately made me feel like well, not that I shouldn't say it about Ken, but you know, we Jesus says his yoke is easy and light, and we always screw it up and make it heavy. So I thought, well, maybe Ken's going to screw this up and make it heavy. But that's I'm, this, I'm the, happy. That's this coming week. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm happy to report that it really, it really wasn't in any way, and it was far more simple 
than I had ever imagined. And I know, I know that you always know when you're in a good message, when you look around the room and people are just kind of quiet and they're paying attention, you know, they're, they're looking ahead. You see the heads nod when you kind of feel like it's a group, group time to, you know, do the head nod and, <laughs> and the agreement and you catch an amen. And if you sit by a Tara, well, you don't have to sit by a Tara to get an Atara amen. You can sit anywhere in the sanctuary because I love to hear Atara's feedback. Shout out to Atara. But I really felt like this week was one of those where you, you just, you sit. And you take it in and you just can just threw one right across the plate. Nice, easy, fastball, no, no curveballs, no. It's kind of straightforward, huh? Just kind of straightforward yeah. and easy to hit and easy to digest. And the more you think on it, the better it seems. Oh, I like that. I liked it at first service. Uh, second service, I was a little bit busy. I didn't catch second and I haven't edited it yet. So I haven't gone to see that, but it just, it just. The longer I've sat on it, the the more I've liked it. And when you have guests in town and they're like, that was an amazing message. Mm. And so the people that that were surrounding you also had that. I just came away with, well, this is easy. And why do we make it so difficult? Not things that we don't already know, but it's a good reminder that we're the ones that make this difficult far too often. And it's it's usually not uh, so much what's being asked, but what I guess our interpretation. And then we get some weird idea of all the things we need to do to take that simple concept and make it as complicated as possible. So I was completely not where I thought we were, <laughs> completely not where I thought we were going. But I, the question I had to start with when I, I liked how you brought in the invitation, the call, and hey, if it's something cool, right? We all want to tell our friends about the latest cool, if it we're into gadgets, we're into tech, we're into books, whatever it is, movies, um, could be anything. We always want to share those things. And they did, but I feel like we take a lot longer to do it. Like how often do you just go somewhere or the latest thing and you're like, I got to tell everybody and you do it. Doesn't it usually take a little bit longer? I just felt like the way the, the feeling I was getting is you're talking about, you know, John the Baptist introduces Andrew, Andrew introduces his brother, Philip introduces Nathaniel, all these things. And, it, and it's happening in this quick time period. What was the, what was it about Jesus? Was it his, just his physical presence? Was it that they knew him? maybe longer before this, but even if they did, it just seems like a pretty, there's a lot of persuasion happening in the the very moment and very soon afterwards, because they don't even give up when there's pushback. No, 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 no. You have to, you have to do this. You have to do this. What was it about Jesus that made it so good right there? And is that same thing still available for people to feel, even though you're not going to have the same in-person experience? Like, if you could meet anybody out there, Randy, who would you want to meet? Oh, right now? Um, if I could meet anybody today and just sit down and, and have, like, coffee and lunch, uh, it'd be David Gilmore. He's one of my favorite guitar players, Pink Floyd, and just one of my just all-time heroes and Oh, seemingly overall good guy and just someone I think would be super interesting to just sit down and, and hear some of the stories. So if I, if I met David mm -hmm. and like suddenly we became, I knew him, 
how long do you think it would take me to come tell you that you could <laughs> that, that he'd like to have lunch with you? If you knew I wanted to. Well, well but, yeah, but yeah. But he's a celebrity. But it was it was Jesus a Well, you're talking about, you know, the people, the Jewish the person, the Messiah that the Jewish people have been waiting for for several thousands of years. So and I guess they just... were pretty excited about that idea. So if you find the person that you believe to be the Messiah and you know a friend who's been uh, waiting for the Messiah, you might You'd probably want to share that pretty quickly with that person. Be like, hey, I found the Messiah. You ought to, I know you've been looking too. Hmm. So, yeah. But I mean, what convinced him that he was the Messiah that fast? You, you know, think- the fun thing, we didn't talk about this, but each one had a different reason. For oh, was it? Advanced. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like, I mean, not everybody obviously got it right. That the, knew. First, the first two disciples were convinced because John, the Baptist, who they believed to be a prophet, identified Jesus as Messiah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that makes and sense. And then uh, Andrew, who is one of those two disciples, went and found his brother, uh, Peter. And Peter seems to be convinced because his brother was convinced. And so that seems to be part of it. But then when you get... Then we go to Philip, and then we get to Nathaniel. Nathaniel's not convinced until he actually meets Jesus. And Jesus says, I I saw you before you came here. You're (laughs) under the fig tree. And Nathaniel's like, okay, that's it. It settles it, you know? (laughs) And so, you know, um, for each one, I think there was a different way. And I think it it kind of is a neat little maybe uh, metaphor that, that, that Jesus gives us all the evidence that we need. For hmm. us, that and there's the evidence that Melanie needs is different than the than the evidence Jeff needs is different than the evidence Ken needs, and mm-hmm. um, and we all have our own way of kind of responding to to that call of Jesus in our life. And some people, by the way, don't always respond positively, and there's stories in the Gospels of that too. Hmm. So the one the other part that I thought that was really interesting was. Uh, Peter introducing Philip to Jesus, a little sidebar that you had, <laughs> yeah. which that's like always my favorite part is to find something that, you know, maybe isn't exactly the way you thought it was or could be open to interpretation. So I was just going to open it up to Melanie and Jeff. To, was this something you already had knew, probably knew about as well? And any thoughts? Actually, no. Um, I've read a lot of D.A. Carson, and that's the first time I'd, I'd heard that part. Yes. But uh, <laughs> yes, good job, Ken. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, th- I thought it was really interesting. Interesting possibility, yeah, because there is some some ambiguity in there. But um, I also think, though, that the story holds either way, because either way, somebody met Jesus and immediately introduced Jesus to someone else. So even if it was Jesus who introduced himself to Philip, Philip still went straight away and found Nathaniel. So I think I think either way, the the um, Yes, but my theory is more fun. Your theory is pretty cool. <laughs> and it yeah. works better. <laughs> I did think that it worked better. I, I mean, I, I, and it was fun for sure. And it, it does fit that whole that whole story, which I think was was actually being laid out. I think the one thing that is that as I was listening to the the sermon myself, I thought, you know, to be in those moments where, you know, you you were. Looking for the Messiah, you had been you 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 had heard stories of generational stories that you'd probably heard from, you know, from ancestors that have passed these down, and and to finally come in contact with somebody like John the Baptist, mm-hmm. and hear John the Baptist say, "Behold, 
you know, the Lamb of God, and and then you're, you're a disciple. I, 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 I struggled with the idea of who stayed with John after that. You know, who, Ooh, yeah, yeah, who was going to stop and you know and go? Wait a minute, you know, what happened? Uh, did did we just see the guy we're supposed to follow now? Or because I do think that that was a difficult thing for. Uh, for somebody to, to grapple with to say, whoa, this is this is not the best one. Because that's how we usually go, oh, Jesus is better rabbi than so-and-so, or he's a better pro. He was the only choice. He was the Messiah. Yeah. And I think that played out uh, really well for these people that started to come into, like Nathaniel especially, as, I, as he goes, okay, we found him. Yeah, and to be able to say that, and that's a remarkable time period. Yeah, they, I never really thought about it, but what you know, it's kind of like, well, John, you've now turned into I don't know, pick your whatever star of you know, fifteen years ago, and now all of a sudden you're not the flavor of the day anymore. I mean, what is does John still go and do that? We don't hear as much, right? But then you have Jesus, and it's like, well, I mean, no offense, if Melanie. I mean, I really like you. We have we have fun Thanks. to talk to you. Thanks, but, Randy. Yeah, but <laughs> if Jesus shows up, I'm not sticking around. Us, I'll, I'll I'll invite you to. Go to I'll, I'll say, come and see. <laughs> but I'm, you know. But think of it this way, Randy. If my whole existence, if everything I know about myself is my purpose in life is to prepare the way for someone else. Then when that someone else comes along, I have done, I have fulfilled what I have been called to do and what I've been taught since birth that I was here to do. So I I, I don't know if it would be like, hey, where's everybody going? It, it might have been more like a celebration, like, yes, I did what I was called to do. Maybe I can go get a steak. And with his eating <laughs> and, and with as ornery as those disciples were, <laughs> maybe John might have been like you gotta wonder whether John gave did John give Jesus, Jesus. the best of his disciples? Because I mean John's just headed back you to need his to make this and honey. Decision quicker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, there's some employees you're happy for. You're like, you're good for you. Uh, no, but I'm sure John gave him the the cream of the crop. There, that's a great. That's a it's a great visual of him. Just like, man, I am so done with so this done. this itchy camel hair stuff. I think I'm gonna go get an Armani and just you know go get a, an espresso somewhere. He looked at him and said, "Which ones are you are gonna be the prison ministers of my group? Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna need you pretty soon." So yeah, yeah that's you. that's unfortunate. That is uh, the, the John turned it uh, yeah. did not go Armani. He went into to prison shortly yeah, thereafter, mm-hmm. and he did go through a period of. I was sort of questioning, like, wait a minute, is this the right thing? Because because yeah. his life didn't necessarily turn out the way that he expected it would. So he yeah. had some questions and, and needed some answers also. So That's tough to think about, though, when you think someone like John the Baptist, who had known all along what his job was, and then to, to be that wrapped up in work i guess i mean it's the highest calling you could probably you could ever have but then to be like well now what do i do mm-hmm. and and where do where do i go from here never really thought about that yeah but, you think about that with the uh you hear from professional athletes all the time the hardest thing for them yeah. is when they retire because the it's like now what you mm-hmm. know this has been my purpose my whole life and what's going to compare to yeah. And and with John, not a professional athlete, but certainly that was his purpose. But I think that even that plays out in the right way because here you have John was was you know he was not divine, and I think as humans, that's the struggle that all of us deal with is 
you know, who am I, you know, am I on the right path? You know, Jesus, I think, was through that wilderness experience, was that the, maybe that was the point where he realized hmm. who he was, what he was about, and what he needed to do. And I think to meet somebody that has that defined as, I don't think anybody, I think because of his divinity, he was able to capture the hearts and minds of these people in his day. This guy doesn't speak like other people, other prophets mm-hmm. or other this. And so I think that's why uh, people like the centurion and other people who, you know, were not part of even the Jewish race understood this man was different. This person was different in Jesus Christ. And I think that came clear with the with people who started to realize this. I'm following the Messiah. That's really pretty 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 important to this story. So I think it's a juxtaposed next to John who did struggle a little bit yeah. with that. Whereas Jesus I don't think struggled with him, his identity uh, after. Hmm. Yeah, I think one thing that kind of struck me was after Nathaniel's like Nazareth. <laughs> You know, nothing, nothing good, nothing good comes from Nazareth. But I, it was almost the opposite for me, where I think sometimes we go Christianity. Yeah, you know, what's people? What, what's good about Christianity? We know, you know, we know all the bad things that Christianity has done over time, and well, they claim there's good things, but you know, I think that five, you know, five hundred one c three isn't that just a tax loophole? That's all churches are really there for. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to the George Carlin days, he used to do a routine about all the bad things that churches did, and but for a God that could do anything. And, you know, like, why do we need all these things from from people when God can do it all? And there's, you know, a, a narrative about about Christianity that's less than stellar sometimes, and some of it's earned. But what do we, that's almost like, to me, that's almost like the Nazareth where you can make it easy, but you can also make it difficult when you're like, I don't really want to talk to anybody about this. I, I mean, uh, I, I like my church, and but, you know, what if they hear me and then they go to some other church I don't know very well, and they don't get the same kind of reception that I'm describing at my church and why I go to church. And they're like, see, I knew it was a bunch of garbage. So it's to me, it's almost like the Nazareth turns instead of, Nothing good comes from that. Nothing good could come from Christianity kind of thing. Like, I'll keep it to myself. Yeah, you know, and I hear you because the the word Christian has uh, has gotten such a – well, let me put it this way. It has taken on so much baggage, mm-hmm. especially with, with people who – claim that they are the representatives of Christianity, you hear them on the news, you know, you see them on social media, and you see all these different people who are um, ungenerous and unloving and unkind and hypocritical, and um, really in a lot of ways the opposite of what we, who we see Jesus to be. And you really don't want to I mean, it's like you don't want to identify with that. Like, okay, can we can we call ourselves something else? Let's go back to followers of the way or something <laughs> like that. Because, but I mean, I I think I think that we've got to push back. We have to push back on somebody else's definition of what this is supposed to be and who we're supposed to be. Hmm. Okay, I like. I mean, I I have no problem with. Defending or defending Nazareth. Defending Nazareth. <laughs> Randy's, you had me at pushback. Yeah. <laughs> well, only from the fact that I've been to a lot of churches, different places, and I don't think I've met a lot of people that are 
specifically trying to be difficult or specifically trying to be um, less than loving, but there's there's a certain rut that people get into that's difficult to pry them out of. And until you're in a church where you see and you are affected by grace on a regular basis where these people know, you know, they know who I am. They know that there's lots of blemishes. There's lots of spots that need, you know, a little extra coat of wax on a regular basis. And yet they still extend you grace with a smile and with a genuine love of you, your family, and that they truly want to see you succeed, not just in life, but they want to see you succeed in, in Jesus, which is a hard thing. It's, you know, it's never easy and it's hard. So it's always the the bridging of those two. So I don't mind ever saying like, yeah, whole life, I go to Whole Life Church because this is what I have found there. This is what I have found. And, you know, I, I, well, what, like, what what are the holes? Where's the where's the skeletons in the closet? And you know where are all these things? And I'm you know I could I could name a couple things that just personally for myself that I wish we were better at. But that doesn't mean that everybody isn't trying really hard to get to that place to consistently be to see problems, to see problem areas, and go, man, we could definitely do better at that. I'm not saying we don't have skeletons. I think we're trying to avoid having closets. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Maybe a museum where we put up the skeleton. I like that. That should be a bumper sticker. I like that. I do. No, that is awesome. That's, that's. I mean, what a what a great what a great way of saying that. That we're. It's not that we don't have skeletons. We just don't have closets to hide them in. Because mm. yeah. everybody's got skeletons in their life. Absolutely. Everybody's got stuff. And I think that one of the more terrifying things I think is when you feel like you have to fake mm. um, yeah. it in order to be loved and accepted and you live in fear that somebody's going to find out the truth about what what you are, who you are, where you've been, what you've done. Um, those are scary things to to have that kind of fear for. And so I love that, Melanie. I love that. Take the uh, We all have skeletons, but what we're trying to do at this church is take away the closets. Jeff's been here a That's long good. time. He knows. Do we have closets, Jeff? Not, <laughs> not, uh, not enough. Sometimes it seems like. No, actually, take that away because of the we we're all constantly looking for storage here. But um, that's a. But that's, okay, we've you. lost the metaphor. We've lost but, the, the metaphor. but the metaphor is true. We we do, and that's unfortunate. That I think I, I love your your comment, Melanie. I think, I think one of the things that you know, people resonate with is the idea of is is church really? Come on, is it really the best choice these days for following Jesus? And uh, and I and I still I still want to maintain that it was just because you have to look back at these the disciples. Yeah, because we can go to Jesus and we can say, Jesus, it's really are these really the best guys you could have <laughs> picked? And you know, and that's that's and that's sort of the same comment. It's like they all had closets. Or they all had skeletons. I think Jesus was pretty clear that those closets were not going to hold him <laughs> yeah. out of them because he was he was pre- he was pretty good at seeing into their lives, which not pretty good. He was very good until finally, I think all of those disciples were able to be real as the movement carried forward. 
but I don't, I don't like the idea of, of creating a church that has a lot of closets. I don't like that idea. So maybe that's our next vision statement. <laughs> a church without closets. No we walls, got rid of the walls. No closets. Now, closets now the closets. <laughs> I like that. That's good. It's also a line that I think is tricky because there's a definite possibility and a definite line you can cross for oversharing where, you know, we have to say every last bad thing or uh, thing we wish we hadn't done that may not be shed such great light on us, even as a, as a time, you know, in the past. But it also feels like when we're at least able to say, yeah, I've struggled, I've struggled with that. You don't have to give all the details or that, you know, I understand that, that I was at that place in my life sometimes. And sometimes that's enough for people to realize that, you know, wow, this person is engaged with their church. They've, you know, maybe they're up front, maybe they're behind the scenes, whatever it is. And that person knows you to be a broken person. And yet when they go to church and they see other people hugging you, right, you know, your friends and you you feel you feel it when there's a an, an opportunity to love on people at church and when it's done on a regular basis it feels good there's a it, there's not a lot of places in our world anymore that replicate that on an on an intimate basis like we do here well and i think it's fascinating because there there are a lot of people who identify as jesus followers who are so holy they can't hang out with anybody who has any kind of issue in their lives because they cannot be tainted. And my thing is, are you sure you were a Jesus, a Jesus follower? Because Jesus hung out with everybody and was not concerned about being tainted because the, the flow was going the other direction, right? Yeah. So, I mean, Jesus, Jesus didn't worry about de- being defiled when he touched dead bodies. He just resurrected people, right? Yeah. So I, I think there's a different, I mean, there's there's a separatist attitude of, ooh, I need to protect myself from the world. And then there's there's the, um, well, I, I guess I should speak for myself. There's what I see that is more like Jesus, which is arms open, outward faced, being with all kinds of people in every different circumstance. Yeah. Headed somewhere good. I don't know why this keeps coming back, but in the just bringing back old memories where when you go to church and you may even be involved even to a, a small degree, but if the arms aren't open and they're not raised and the people that, you know, they may see you and give you the smile, but you, you know, you can tell when it's not there or when it's the quick, he saw me move ahead to the other direction mm-hmm. and keep moving on or, oh, I've got to chase that person down the hall. That's not really there. The hallway is the best one. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, how's it going? And then you get down there and there's nobody there and the door didn't just close. You know, trying to avoid people sometimes for that very reason. And yet when sometimes it's just, um, I always I always tell people really what brought me back to Jesus was my wife who never missed an opportunity to hug me before we were going out. She was the only single person at church that I could see, like, she would go in, she carried her Bible with her, she'd go sit down by herself, pay attention the whole time. Like, who comes to church by themselves on purpose? Like, what? what why are they doing this? I'm here to run the AV system, uh, but, I mean, I, would, I don't choose to be here. And it, 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 even knowing what I knew growing up Christian, it enticed me because it was different than Christianity. It was different than Christianity. It, she was a Jesus follower. Mm-hmm. 
And when she gave me a hug, it was like, wow, somebody here really cares whether or not I make it back next week. And if you knew me at that time, you'd be wondering if I was going to make it back for next week. <laughs> so really, the sometimes the littlest things that we can do are so, so important for how people feel. I just I love that. And so I hope that as if you haven't heard the message, please, please, please don't miss it, because this is like this is the crux of everything. Follow me lands on this year. Ken gave us an invitation to just come and see, invite people that, you know, you're already friends with, people that you know. It's kind of a warm invitation instead of, you know, maybe knocking on doors or, you know, throwing pamphlets out the window down I-4 to get people to come to church. Drive by evangelism. (laughs) (laughs) You're on fire today, Mrs. Bachman. You are on fire. Well, you think about it, though. What's What's the most... The most... I'm trying to use the right word, but I'm just going to use it. It's that the most lazy form of evangelism is to throw a pamphlet at somebody, or it's it's it requires the least investment of your life, and and that's not again. I know that's going to sound like I'm anti-pamphlet or whatever. And there's a place for everything. I, I feel quite certain. I think there's you know there's times where I've been felt inspired to leave a little something for somebody to read somewhere or whatever, but. For me, what really bothers me is when we feel like that's like the investment God's asking from us. And that's just, to me, I just don't read that in the Bible. I I read, I see Jesus investing his life into people. I see him asking his followers to invest their lives into people, not and not simply until they decide not to follow, um, that, that there's a commitment to friendship that goes beyond whether you buy what I have to sell at the end of the day. Um, and that's that That also is another thing that will bother me, is that how many people will enter into a friendship with somebody, discover that they're not interested in coming to their church, and then they're no longer your friend. I, you know what? The funny thing is, I've had that happen to me <laughs> from, from people from another religious viewpoint, where... They started. I liked the person, and then as soon as it became clear that I was pretty happy being a Seventh Day Adventist, there was no more yeah. contact, and I felt disappointed by that because I was like, "Well, I liked you. I mean, I thought we were hanging out because we were friends, and that you you were sharing something good in your life that mat- mattered to you, and I appreciated that. But I don't. I didn't agree with it. I didn't think that meant we couldn't be friends anymore. Yeah. And I, I can only imagine how people would feel on my end of things if if that's the way that I invest in people is like, well, you know, if if you're not going to see my worldview or I'm not you're not then all I was really in this for was to try to get you to do what I wanted you to do. And when you don't do it, then there's nothing left. And and again, I just don't see that bearing out in Jesus' life. It seems like Jesus continues his relationships with people. You know, not for the sake of of manipulation or getting them to do something as much as that he just loves them and cares about them, and there's there's friendship in there, and and so that's and some people are like, well, then what's the point? Well, my point is, I want to share with everybody the good things I've got in my life. I want to share my faith with my friends because it means something to me, but I'm also not going to give up on my friendship just because right. they don't yeah. agree or don't accept it or whatever. We're still friends. We've still got that. And so I just I think it's really important to, you know, 
to not be transactional in our relationships with people because we think that's some sort of, like that's Christ evangelism strategy or something like that. I used to love what Andy used to talk about when in these situations when he would say that you know when you when you break everything down and how many you know denominations are there across Christianity alone but he said if you really break down most of it he said we're two to three sentences basically away from <laughs> agreeing on on like nearly everything and he said you know there's no reason that those two or three things uh should be the reason that we can't get along or that we can't do things or be friends or whatever, because, um, you know, we haven't even given the Holy spirit a chance to finish their, the, the work being done. And guess what? Look in the mirror. Maybe that reflection, maybe that work is being done on us and it's not the other person. And I think we get so wrapped up in totality of, well, we know what's going to happen. We've, we, we have prophecy, we have this and that. And I'm not, denouncing any prophecy or anything, but, you know, there might be a lot of surprises when everything is said and done that we just didn't totally get just right. And why lose an opportunity to just be friends with someone or to even find the things that they do? Some people think the Sabbath is really weird, but also when they're like, you take the whole day off, like, this is kind of weird. You're like, you purposefully spend time with your family. It's like, well, yeah, we're kind of crazy that way. We enjoy each other's company. We're kind of less crazy that way. <laughs> yeah. And, it's you know, like, well, and so even if they're not going to become a Seventh-day Adventist or they're not going to, quote unquote, keep the Sabbath, the idea of that, though, you know, they take portions. And I think if that makes their life better by helping them slow down a little bit, even however they choose to apply it, that's something we can learn, that we can give and we can get something back in return. I think it's a, it's a win-win. I think Jesus won uh, by his directive of being there for all human, mm. all mankind, all yeah. humans. Um, he didn't win very many points when he brought in Matthew in his group. <laughs> uh, they didn't think that was a good fit. Fit, they, yeah. They probably bucked it. And then he brought in Judas, and they all thought that was actually a pretty good fit. Um I think Jesus was not about trying to create, which is a lot of what we do, uh, this brand loyal, you know, this is our brand, this is your brand. And then we kind of make, uh, you know, we kind of make divisive little things to go in between. Oh, you were just, yeah. I didn't realize you were trying to get me to come to your church. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I thought we were just friends and, but Jesus wasn't trying to, because there was a lot of different political stances that Jesus could have jumped on. And I think he was trying to get his disciples, who were all at a different spectrum of the political uh, arena at that time, and he was trying to get them to see, no, we're all here for one particular purpose. Yeah. And I'm the Messiah, and I'm here to save man. Yeah, that's and awesome. uh, I I think that was hard for people to get. Right, they all kind of bought in in the beginning. Oh, this is Messiah. We're gonna bring you know, we're gonna bring Judah to its rightful place, and so on and so forth. So yeah, I like it. 
The As we start to wrap it up, we had just a few questions. And I think we didn't get a lot of questions this week, honestly, because I think most people were in awe of the worship that happened this week. There was like, if you couldn't find something to latch on to and, and, and find Jesus in this week at worship, man, you just, you, you must've been snoozing. There was steel, uh, steel drums. There was special music. There was liturgical oh, Yes, there dancing. was one particular Well, there was one particular. Was there anything that was yeah. really Very especially special. good in your opinion there, Randy? I mean, yeah. if you, you know, if you miss, if you miss Jacinia and Ellie doing, um, bring it to Jesus, then you just didn't worship this week. That's from so a highly, proud. highly biased. If you, if you haven't seen it, you should definitely go watch it. Of course, right after you listen to Ken's sermon, because yeah. I'll listen to it before. Yeah. <laughs> then you can listen to it after. Yeah. It's great. But I was Both pretty times. amazed. I, I ran into Randy after the church service and he still had buttons on his shirt. So I'm wow. not sure how those That's didn't amazing. all pop off with, uh, well, with pride. But, flexible material. But <laughs> Randy, <laughs> Randy's daughter did a beautiful job uh, with, yeah. with Jess. With no, and it was in, and most of our comments this week was just people really, um, really enjoying the variety and enjoying the kids being a part of the service, reading the, reading the scripture and, and the, the dance and the, and the special music and the, the steel drums and all those things. And, uh, the production team, Abel and Nathaniel, special shout out. They did mm, an amazing job. And, and Melanie and everybody for putting I mean, That stage was full of activity from the moment it was go until it was done with two extra songs. So a lot of the comments came that. We also had a question from Ben who asked, I truly love the idea of come and see, but I struggle with asking people to come and see, especially when I don't see myself living like Jesus. What can I do? I feel you, Ben. Yeah. Just, yeah, I would say just remember, Ben, you're not asking them to come see you. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, and you know, and and that's the other thing. I think Jesus is is very capable of um, drawing people to Himself in spite of us. Um, you think about those twelve disciples, which were not the most classy of guys and had their issues, and and yet, in spite of all of them, Jesus drew people to him hmm. and use what they were able to do. So um, don't worry about that perfection. Just just worry about saying, come see Jesus hmm. and see what happens. Yeesh. It's hard to separate ourselves though when you're constantly when you know your when you know your own blemishes and you're like, oh boy, if I can see him, everybody else has to know, right? The point is if all of us had to wait until we arrived, none of us would ever be able to say, Come and see. So I think I think it's it's a it's a directionality. It's like, hey, come look past me unless you're checking out what's currently happening in my life toward toward the good, <laughs> but look past me and look at Jesus. <laughs> yeah, let's look back on that and then make sure we're seeing the right direction. Um, Sharon said, after our friend comes to see, what is the next step that works best? Would their curiosity and questions be gradually answered or should we pour out a, a deluge of teaching? What's the next step? Or should we just say for now, Tune in next time for what we do, do we have. After I do. We see. do. I think have four more uh, Saturdays of uh, sermons. Yeah. So there may be some more information in there for you. It's, it's a very good question, though, and yeah, uh, about you know what what's next. So stay tuned. Okay. Well, everyone. Um, Anonymous at the end, I really like this this comment, said, it will be amazing to see and hear all the talents and instruments playing and singing when we rejoice 
as one in heaven, especially when it sounds so great here. And it really was a good reflection of, man, it really was an, I mean, I, I hate to get caught up in the, the feels all the time. Like, well, if I didn't really get the feels, I didn't worship. But at the same time, it this was a week where you couldn't avoid the feels. And maybe it's just, again, because <clears throat> certain people were in the program. But <laughs> I, no, but seriously, I really enjoyed every single part of it. It was a good worship it. service. It was, a, it was yeah. good. And we're, we're, okay, good one coming up, too. Do we? Oh, man. What are yeah. we, this is... Uh, Oh, this is the invitation. No, not the invitation. I wrote that wrong. This is the response part two. Yeah, and uh, part two, and what's coming? We're uh, we're going to talk about what it means to follow Jesus down the road. Um, so that's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to that one. And then a, a really good friend of mine, uh, Furman Fordham, uh, works in the South Central Conference. Uh, discipleship guru and just a good friend of mine. He's going to be coming and preaching on uh, February 4 um, as we kick off uh, Black History Month. And we also have a great uh, worship concert, concert yeah. Yeah. that February 4 that evening. So I hope people, you know, just put a little save the date on there that I, not only not only are you going to get to hear great music, there's going to be some really great uh, food from uh, different African um Traditions, so I think that that'll be really enjoyable. I I know I'm planning on being a part of that. <laughs> Excellent. So the worship concert, the information. If you swipe up in today's show notes, you will find the information all about what's happening. And if you if you're at church next week, there are flyers here. You can grab them. You can give them to your friends and family, or on social media this week, they'll also be posted with all that information. And you can just go and share those across your networks, and that will also help out. And from what I've seen, it's going to be a really, really amazing. Should be really awesome. Just, got uh, some cool, cool things. Cool well, things Melanie knows more than I do. I, <laughs> I got, I got, I got into the the first part of the meeting, and then afterwards, you know, they they grabbed the ball and just kept on going past. So I just need to get it on social media so it's out there. One more, Ken? Do you have it? No. I'm good. You're good. I I'm thought great. I, I thought the hook was coming out one more time. I was thinking for, about it, but yeah, no, no, I'll just hang on to it for now. Okay, he's gonna ooh. See, I thought, okay, at least I wasn't, no, you I might be you. crazy, but anyway. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. And oh, I know what I was going to tell you. We, um, if we stay long enough, Randy if we stay will... long enough, we're going to get it. The, uh, this past week, some two people came up to me and said, uh, I, I just got caught up on the podcast and you'd mentioned sharing that like I had shared, uh, uh, one of them was on LinkedIn and one of them, uh, I believe, was on Twitter. And I was like, maybe not just those two didn't do all of it. But right now we are in the middle of one of our most listened to months ever in the history of the podcast. Uh, as of the 18th, we already had over 1,200 listens this month. And so whoever is sharing out there, thank you so much. It's Melanie. Is, is, it, it's, well, it's, it's, is this it's, the Melanie it's, effect? It's the Melanie effect. There it is. There you go. Well, We add Melanie and... Away it goes. Look. It's what we've been missing. It hit, yeah. That's probably true. That's it. Uh, too kind. So too the, kind. She's now... Cheeks are now red. I'm, I'm blushing. We're, we're, I'm blushing. So uh, <laughs> between... Melanie's parents, my parents. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you know, my mom's been listening to me recently. So. Hi, dad. Randy's <laughs> parents. <laughs> so, anyway, great job. Thank you so much. It means the world. It gets us into a lot of places in a lot of countries that 
Um, you know, otherwise we may not, no one would even know Whole Life Church is there. So we appreciate the sharing. So that's going to take care of it for this week and part two this week upcoming. So don't miss that. And then back in for the rest of the month to finish off. I'm excited because each week it's been getting better. So hopefully the momentum continues. No pressure can. None felt. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening and have a great week. 